So what do we talk about the Sunday after Christmas? Is it a traditional Sunday story? Do we talk about uh, Jesus and the birth? Do we t- what, what, what do we share that can give us some enlightenment on our life and what we can actually look forward to in the coming year? So as I'm thinking about it, I went to Matthew chapter 2, and it's obviously it's the Christmas story. It's the story of the, of the wise men. I started to say the three wise men, but we don't know how many there were. Now that's, I'm sorry, but we, I've just burst some of your bubbles because you've always told your children and the three wise men. The scripture doesn't tell us how many. And we assume because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh that there were three. There could have been 23. We don't know. But there's an age-old sermon title. It's called Wise Men Still Seek Him. That's been, that's been done. That's been overdone. So I have a title, A Divine Discovery. And when I began to think about this word search and seek, it took me back to my childhood. How many of you ever played hide-and-go-seek? Come on, there you go. How many of you ever participated in an Easter egg hunt? Okay, so you know what seeking and searching is all about. And when my kids were little, we played hide-and-go-seek. Now, what they didn't know or didn't realize, and now that my sons are in the audience today, they're going to find out that I would say, well, I'll be it, because they didn't want to be it. They didn't want to have to search. So I'll be it. You go hide, I'll count to 20, and then I'll come looking for you. So they take off hiding. I get in my recliner. The ball game's on. One. Two. After a while, I hear this voice. Dad, are you looking for us? Four. The thing is, it works on grandkids, too. (laughs) And then the Easter egg hunt, not what we are are watching today where you take 10,000 Easter eggs and drop them in a football field and take your little rug rat with the basket and say, here, honey, go fill it up. We actually colored the eggs, and we we actually hid them. And, And they had to search. They had to seek. They had to discover where those eggs were. And then there were some eggs that would have money in it and prizes for who had the most eggs. But it took me back to those years of when I experienced those childhood games of searching, looking for, and discovering. And then when we think about that, we come to this understanding that if we are wise, we we do seek God, and we still seek, and we still search, and we still look for But in the different context this morning, I'm going to be talking about searching for things that do not include fame, fortune, status, popularity, power, authority, and even joy, peace, and happiness. Do you realize this scripture? Nowhere in scripture does it tell us to seek for joy, peace, and happiness. John 16, 33 says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. So in that context, and based on Matthew chapter 2, I want us to look at a portion of Scripture in Isaiah 55. It's a little lengthy, but, but in order to get the context, I want us to take a look at this. Now, to set this up, 
God had commissioned the prophet Isaiah to share this message with the Jews who had been in exile. The scripture says they were sitting by the waters of Babylon and they were weeping and mourning over their memories of Zion. And he says to Isaiah, tell them this. He says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you will have no money. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. That was the staple, uh, the Jewish staple of that day, wine and milk. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And here's the verse that I want us to hang on to this morning. It says, for he has endowed you with splendor. And here's our, here's our verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. If it, if it has that terminology, while he may be found and while he is near, it gives us an indication that there is a time and there can be a time that we have become estranged from God and may not always be able to find him. Now, with that thought in mind, here's something that I want you to, and, and you don't have handouts this morning, so if you've got your bulletins or you want to pull out paper and pencil and write these things down, Here's something that I think that, that you need to understand. God has promised a pardon for the repentant. He has not promised tomorrow for the negligent. Let me say that again. God has promised a pardon for the repentant. He has not promised tomorrow for the negligent. And you may be sitting here today and you're saying, Pastor Don, I understand about this God you're talking about. I understand about seeking God. And you know what? I'm going to get around to it. And, and when I have enough time and I get things settled and, and, and have a little bit of breathing room, I'm going, to, I am, I'm going to search for God. I'm going to look for God. I'm going to discover God when I get a chance. But Scripture is, is replete with verses that tells us that there is no promise of tomorrow. Now, the beauty about that and the, and, and the greatness about that command is that God never gives us a command without the power to accomplish it. So when he said, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near, God also is saying, I will give you the ability to do that. So as you enter a new year, I, I have this sense, just as we've experienced this year, that, that many of our, our, our church family members have, 
had home goings with Jesus and they're in heaven and they're rejoicing. And every year we experience this within our church family. This coming year, we have a presidential election. And someone the other day was making fun with me when I, they said, what is your name? I said, Don. And they go, ha, ha, Donald. I said, uh-uh. I don't even want to be associated with Donald. Besides that, my hair will never go blonde. Just not going to happen. But we have a presidential election coming up. And I'm saying to you as believers in, in, in Jesus we need to search God. We need to seek God. We need to discover really what he wants us to do and say about the future of our country. We need to be diligent and accept the responsibility to get out and vote. That is our God-given responsibility as a citizen of the United States of America is to get out and vote. But don't just do it because somebody promised. Be seeking God. God... Who do you want? What do you, and it's, it's never going to be the perfect person. But God, who do you want to use for such a time as this? The only, well, I won't say it. Uh, God does use evil to create good sometimes. So when do we seek Jesus? See, Herod sent out the magi, the wise men, to seek Jesus and if you read that verse, he was aware that word had got out the Messiah was coming. And so Herod, it says, he was disturbed. But then a couple of verses down, it says, he called the Magi together and he said, I want you to go find where this Jesus is going to be born so I can come and worship him. <laughs> right. He wanted to come and kill him. So the, everything that you're experiencing in this coming year, the things that you don't even have are aware of, the things that you don't have a clue what's happening. And, and we ought to be thankful that God doesn't reveal too far down the road what our future holds. But I'm saying to you that there are things that we will experience in 2016 that if we're not searching and seeking for God, if we're not looking for what God is trying to show to us, it could be a very, very, very tough year. So when do we search? When do we seek? Well, if you are here today and you have never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you've known about him, you've heard about him, you've heard people talk about him, but you've never come to that place of saying, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm asking for your grace and for your mercy to help me through this life. If you've never done that, today is the day that you need to seek God. You see, today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not January, February, March. It's today because we have no promise of tomorrow. If you are here today and obviously over the holidays, you are so consumed with anxiety. Maybe you have some things that you're worrying about. Maybe there's some things on your mind that you don't have answers to, and it's been frustrating for you. When do you seek God? Today. Today. 
Because if we don't, the anxieties and the cares and the fears and the worries of this world will consume us and make us totally incapable of doing anything productive. So today's the day that we seek God. Maybe you're experiencing some financial difficulties. Maybe you're going through some emotional hard times. Maybe there's some relationships in your family that are just not right, and you don't know what to do about it. When do we seek Jesus? Today, now, this moment, we're in a search. Or maybe you're saying, Pastor Don, none of those things apply to me. I just want to get to know God more intimately. Today, we search, we seek, we discover. And I can't tell you specifically, but I can tell you in generalities that if we walk into 2016 with that concept, that no matter what the physical concerns, the emotional concerns, financial concerns, no matter what the relationships are, no matter how much the world seems to bring the worries and, and the anxieties, and we don't know if we're going to get pink slipped, we don't know if we're going to have a job, we don't know if we're going to have enough money, we, we, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Friends, I'm telling you this morning, there is a divine discovery for you and I as we seek God. So with that in mind, that explains pretty much on when we should seek God. And the answer is basically today. Don't put it off. Because wise men do still seek Him. So then you've asked the question, maybe it's going through your mind at this time, are we not always in God's presence? Because I remember Pastor Jack or Pastor Jason or Pastor John, I remember somebody on television telling us that one of the attributes of God is that he is omnipresent. So aren't we just always in God's presence? Well, yes and no. You see, in seeking the presence of God simply means to seek the face of God. To come to that place where you've sensed that he is so close and so real that there's no question, there's no doubt that God is hearing your prayers. So the answer to this is yes, because God is omnipresent. He is here. Every Sunday morning, God's presence is here. When you go to your home, when you go to your work, when you're traveling across country on vacation, no matter where you are, God's presence is there because he's omnipresent. It's not like that we get in our car and drive across the Pennsylvania state line and say, well, I'm in Ohio now, so I guess the presence of God's not here. He's omnipresent. So he is always there, and because of his covenant commitment that he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We can say yes to that question because God is always present. But are we experiencing his presence? But also, we have to understand this so that we don't become too comfortable. Yes, God is omnipresent and he has made a covenant commitment. However, God's manifest conscious 
trusted presence is not our constant experience. Even though we have experienced his presence, yet it's not always our constant experience. Pastors are no different than anyone else. There are times in our lives that we have not felt as close to God as we want to, as we should. There's times, there are seasons in our life when sometimes if we become neglectful of God and we give him no thought or we don't put our trust in him, we're not experiencing the presence of God that he wants to bring to us. Isaiah, when we read through that first verse, in one of the versions, it, it, you, it says, ho, everyone, or hey, everyone, but the key is everyone. That means the halt, the blind, the sick, the lame, the affluent, the rich, the poor, the homeless, the rich, the old, the young. He's saying everyone, much like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that no one should perish but everyone would have everlasting life. That's the word everyone. But the key is, and this is where the responsibility comes for you and I, everyone that thirsteth. I've gotta be honest with you today, and I think you will understand what I'm saying. There's not everybody in this room thirsting for God. You say, well, how would you know that? I, would, I know that because of fruit. Hypothetically, if everybody in this auditorium this morning was thirsting, 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 thirsting for God, we would see some changes not only in our church, but in our families, in our culture, in our workplace. So, oh, but, but Don, I'm, I'm a little thirsty. No, thirsty. You ever been thirsty? It's like if you've been in the military doing a 20-mile march and you've got one canteen of water, and I've been through that, and I've watched those idiots take their canteen and in the first two miles empty the canteen. And honestly, as God is my judge, we would get about five, ten miles in, and we had guys that were buying. I'll pay you a dollar for a drink of your water. I'll pay you five bucks for, for a good swallow. I, I mean, they were, they were thirsty. And when we come to that place that there's nothing can satisfy our thirst but God, Isaiah says, then you can come and you can drink and you can eat. But it requires a searching. It requires a seeking. So we look at this transition and recognize the seasons in our life of times where we just haven't, we got to be honest, we really haven't searched for God that often. See, when we're thirsty for God are the times, and, and in this coming January, Pastor Jason is working on and putting together a prayer emphasis, a time of fasting. And friends, I have to tell you this, and I'm not saying this to belittle you or to put you down. But when we call for a time of prayer or sacred assembly or a time of coming together, if we're thirsty, this place, this, this place is going to be full if we're really, really thirsty. So where will we find God? If we're seeking him, where are we going to find him? Well, some things are practical. I think, first of all, 
you'll find him in prayer, in your prayer life. You'll find answers in your prayer life. I remember, I don't remember how long we were married before Barb had shared this with me, but back around 1968-69, I was in the Army, and she had come home from college, and she was working, and, and bless her heart, I mean, she was, she was just, she was just so proficient and efficient, and when I got home, she already had our linens and our china and our crystal and silverware and pots and pans. I mean, her hope chest was full. I was one lucky guy. But later on in our, into our marriage, she told me, she said, you know, there was a Sunday night we had church, still on Sunday night, and after church, it was our, our normal that people would just come and, and, and stay around the altar. They'd just pray. They just, we, back then, we called it tarrying, but they'd just come and wait on God. And she said, this one Sunday night, I went to the altar, and I was there for three hours. Three hours. Now, I'm not setting Barb up as a... Yeah, she's my saint and my special lady, but I'm not setting her up any higher than any other person, but I'm sharing this story to make a point. She said, I was at the altar for three hours, and here's what she was searching for. She said, God, I need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, unequivocally, I need to know that Don Fisher is the man I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with. I want nothing, God, but your perfect will. And I need to know, I need an answer. I'm not leaving here until I have a peace that this is the guy that I'm going to give myself to, commit myself to, and this is the guy that, that we are going to, to spend our life together with your blessing. And obviously, everybody went home they started turning some of the lights out. When she left, somebody came around and locked the door. But for three hours, see, she searched, and she was seeking God's will for her future. I'm not saying that we all have to do that, but I have a feeling that some of our marriages might be a little better off if we did. God, is this the right person for me? Not just because, but he's so cute. <laughs> you see how he wears his hair? Just see that little honey I got? Oh, she's such a sweetie, and she's so nice. <laughs> That's the one for me. I wish I could say I spent three hours, and but I knew that I knew, that I knew, that I knew, that Barb and I, it was God's plan for us to be together. But she found God in her prayer time. She found God in her prayer time. The other th time that I remember is we, just before we went into pastoring, we'd been praying and we, we knew God was making a transition and we knew we were gonna be going into pastoring. And that's where our heart was. And I'm sitting in the family room of our home, Beaverbrook Drive. Boys were little at that time. And I'm sitting in there. I had some worship music on, and I'm sitting in this overstuffed chair with my eyes closed, and I'm just praying, and God, whatever, because I think it was right around that time, Barbara and I, back in, the, back in the years, we used to sing, and we sang this song, Whatever It Takes to Be More Like You, Lord, That's What I'll Be Willing to Do. 
Take my houses, my lands, my dreams, my plans. I lay my whole life in your hands. And if you call me someday to a land far away, I'll be willing for whatever it takes to be more like you. That's what I'll be willing to do. And that song was going over in my mind and my eyes were closed. And friends, I can tell you this as God is my witness. There was a moment of time that I knew that I had sensed the presence of Jesus so close that if I opened my eyes, I would see him. I didn't open my eyes because it, it, it overwhelmed me. But I had such as, I, I, I've never had that in all of my life, that if at that moment the presence of Christ was so real and that he was standing in front of me, that if I'd opened my eyes, I would have seen him. You say, well, how often that happened? That was the only time. But there have been times in prayer, there have been times in seeking God, there have been moments in searching for God that God has showed himself. And, and, and that's what I'm talking about today, friends. We, we can't have the answers on our own. We're not intelligent enough and creative enough and wise enough to solve all of the problems we're going through, but we serve a God that has an answer for us. So in our prayer time, we will find God. In our worship time, we will find God. In his word, we will find God. When we were youth pastors, we had at the, again, after the Sunday night service, it was called an afterglow. And we'd have people come to the piano and the organ, and Barb was playing the organ and, and or playing piano, one of the two. I think she was up on the platform and, Kirby was just, I don't know, two, maybe two. And, uh, you know, we were, Barb's over here and Kirby's sitting on the front pew and I'm over here praying. And, and, and these afterglow things, they can go on for quite a while. And it just felt that the presence of God was so real and so special. And normally for a two-year-old, <laughs> you set a two-year-old down on a pew and he, and, and he may last for a minute, and he's often gone. And, and we looked over, and Kirby was sitting there for I don't know how long it was, and he wasn't moving. He just sitting in the pew. And we knew that there was something special was happening because we sensed this presence of God that we'd been seeking, we'd been searching for. You see, this isn't something that is surreal. It's not something that only pastors can experience. It's not something that only the elders get to enjoy. Friends, I'm saying to you this morning from the bottom of my heart, this is something that God wants for you. You are so special to him and so loved by him and so cared for by him that he's saying to you this morning, seek me, search for me, discover me, because I want to make myself real in your life. And I know there's some sitting out there feeling as though, Pastor Don, I, I don't deserve, I don't, well, well, none of us do. None of us do. We can find God during our time of communion. It's a place of discovering God. We can find our job, our, our God in our homes, around the house. We can find God at the workplace. So you see, 
When do we search for Jesus? When do we search for Jesus? Now, today. Where will we find him? We'll find him in our prayer life, in our worship, in, our wor- in his word, in communion. We'll find him in our home. We'll find him at the workplace. But here's the thing. The application is this. To seek God is going to require us to eliminate all other distractions and focus our heart and mind on him, and that's the challenge. We are so inundated and overwhelmed by the things of the world. We have a thousand voices, and, and, and some of you, if you have teenagers, and you certainly pray for them, and you're asking God for them, and you don't understand why well, I can tell you what's happening with our teenagers and young adults, there are a thousand voices calling out their names. Look at me, come here, do this, do that, come here, do this, buy this, buy that, go there, do this. A thousand voices. The distractions are innumerable. And in order to find God, to seek his presence, we are going to have to eliminate all distractions and focus our heart and mind on him. And I got to tell you, those two experiences that I had, three that we've had as a family, Barbara's experience, the time with Kirby sitting on the pew, and the time with me in my family room, I would, I would give up anything that I felt was a distraction to experience the presence of God. So what stands in our way? Well, I think there's two words that came to my mind. Pride and intellect. Pride and intellect. I'm just too proud to admit I don't have the answers. I'm just too proud to admit that I can't do it. I, I can't raise these kids by myself. I, I, can't, I can't make the checkbook balance by myself, but I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to let anybody know. Well, what's the alternative to live a life of frustration and defeatism? So get rid of that pride. Get rid of that pride to where you come to the place where you have a difficult time and it takes nothing for you to say, God, I come before you. I am helpless without you. I am hopeless. I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution. God, there's nothing that I know to do but to seek your face. Get rid of that pride. And then intellect. We love to think that we're able to be creative and figure things out. But friends, I've got to tell you, there's times in your life that you're just not going to come up with an answer. There's times, and in, 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 as, as pastors, we sit with these family members that have lost their loved ones. And, and John can tell you, I sat with John and Wilma, and, and I sat there and I say, folks, I can't give you a reason. I can't tell you why that after all of these years you spent in Nicaragua, These years that you've committed to God and to these little children and you put your hearts out on right in the open for them and your plan was to come back and retire and spend time with your family and enjoy time together and now, boom, the cancer hits and here we are. I I can't give you a reason for that. But they will tell you that before I would leave, we would pray and simply say, God, We're asking for your peace, and we're asking for your strength. And even though we don't understand and it doesn't make sense of us, we know you have a divine and perfect will, and God, we're praying for that perfect will. 
our intellect is not going to carry us very far. So those are a couple of things we have to get over because there's always going to be something. When you're seeking God, it's, it, go back to hide and go seek. Go back to the time when your kid comes in and says, can't find my, my teddy bear. Can't find my teddy bear. And all they're doing is standing in the middle of the floor. Can't find my teddy bear. And mom, dad, you remember what you tell them? You may have to move some things. Look behind the Davenport. Move your blanket. You may have to go into your room and look. You may have to do, make some changes and move some things around before you find what you're looking for. No different than us. And what God is saying to us this morning is this. There's always going to be something that we have to go through or around to experience God's presence. It may be priorities are going to have to change. It may be that schedules are going to have to get rearranged. We talked to you this morning about Engage. Great opportunities of, of growing and developing and maturing in the Word of God. But I can tell you, in order for you to be here on January the 6th, some of you are going to have to change priorities, and some of you are going to have to take and rearrange your schedules, and some of you are going to have to allow your busyness to give way to margins in order for that to happen. So it really comes back to the choice you and I make. But I can tell you this, when we have God, we have everything. We have everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we pause before you this morning. I believe that today you have made us aware that you are a loving God that is omnipresent throughout our midst, and you love us so much. I believe, God, that you have given us a visual picture of you are waiting for us to seek you and search for you and look for you and discover you. Because there's a responsibility on our part. It doesn't say, John 16, 33, doesn't say, sit down and twiddle your thumbs and all these things will be added unto you. It says, seek you first. It says to seek and to knock and to ask. There's a responsibility that lies, in, lies within us. But Father, you are so faithful and so loving that once we begin to seek and search and discover who you are, you will make your presence and manifest your presence so real in our lives that it will make a change and make a tremendous impact in our lives. So, Father, I pray for my friends today as we enter into this new year, 2016. We don't know what it holds. We don't know what we're going to face. But we do know this, that you have made a covenant com uh, commitment, a covenant commitment to us that you will never leave us or forsake us. So no matter how difficult life becomes and what a challenge that life brings to us, we know there is a God that walks along beside us. And above our pride and above our intellect is your presence. That we hear that voice that says everything is going to be all right. Because when we have God, we have everything. 
Now, Father, be with us throughout today. Give us all safe returns to our homes. And, Father, we pray that your hand of blessing rest upon us. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your day, family and friends, and have a great weekend.